0: I'd like us to turn in our uh, scriptures, please, to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, and that's all we're going to read, actually, at the start, anyway, we're going to read a few other little scriptures, but I read a whole load last um, Sunday, if you weren't here last Sunday, we started a series on Elijah, and I'm really excited about this, he was used by God in the most incredible ways. He saw some of the most amazing things that anybody's ever seen happened in the life of Elijah. Absolutely phenomenal, awe-inspiring, breathtaking. He was a man of faith, but he was a man of prophetic understanding. God spoke to him, he heard, and he obeyed. And God transformed a whole generation. Why? Because one man stood up and said the things that God wanted him to say, lived the life that God wanted him to live. And so as we get into this and all the things we're going to learn from Elijah, um, he called fire down from heaven. He dealt with the oppressive enemy. He learned how to tap into the abundance of God. The most amazing things happened in his life. He handed on twice as much to Elisha than he carried on his own life. So there's a number of things we're going to be getting hold of as we go through the life of Elijah. I need to start today really at the first of the year with this understanding, the power of a prophetic life. The power of a prophetic life. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, it says, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, (coughs) excuse me, Ahab is the king at the time. He was a bad man, really ungodly man. He said to Ahab, this is the first thing you ever hear of Elijah in the Bible. He said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall... uh, isn't going to be dew nor rain these years except at my word and he turned round and he left what an incredible prophetic word what an incredible declaration we've never heard from this man before and the first thing he does is he walks straight up to the king and reads him the riot act really what a confrontation what an incredible delivery of a prophetic word. I don't know if he understood everything that was going to happen over the next three years till it rained again, because he said it was going to rain. But here we find a man, and it says over in um, James chapter five, that he prayed and then he prophesied that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and we find out that he prophesied, and the heavens gave rain. And then the Bible says, you and I are just like him. Wow, (laughs) amazing. What a phenomenal man Elijah was. He knew that he'd heard God. He had an incredible confidence on the inside. He had an incredible spirit of faith. He knew he had the power to confront King Ahab, even though he was unheard of. He was a, he wasn't anybody. He was insignificant in obscurity. And in one instant, He was transported onto the world stage. Why? Because he heard from God. And he spoke the word of God. He knew what he said would come to pass. He knew it. He had no doubt. If I say it, it's going to happen. And then I'm going to say it again in three and a half years, and it's going to rain. The most amazing faith. He knew that he would turn the nation around. Now, I don't know if he had spent the last few years really praying about the nation. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what I do know is he was in a position to be used by God to transform a nation. So that tells me he had the nation on his heart. And I believe as a church, God's called us to have the nation on our heart. To have London on our heart. When God first spoke to me 30 years ago, I was in a... I was in a seminar, I hadn't been a Christian very long, I was in an all-day seminar with somebody called Derek Prince, hadn't been saved long, six months or so, and somebody came up to me, and they said, I was just coming down the road, and God spoke to me and said, I want you to go into that church, she didn't know what was going on, so she came in, there was this seminar going on, she hung around for an hour till the break, and then she, you know, she came up and she spoke to me, and she said certain things in my life, oh, I was a brand new Christian, I didn't, I, didn't, I just loved it, I just thought, woohoo, this is fun. This is amazing somebody's got a word for me somebody's got a prophetic word for me but something was created that day something happened that day on the inside you see there's power in prophecy there's something that is stirred there's something that is perhaps given a little bit of an electric shock it's not just a, a nice thing to do, you know, just to, like a nice encouraging little word. Oh, I believe God wants to tell you this and it's nice and encouraging. That's great and we all do that. But there's something about the power of a prophetic life which brings transformation into a life, into a family, into a city, into a nation, into a church, into a generation. And I believe God's got London on our heart. We're in London. We're of London. Don't, we're we're in this world. We're not of this world. You understand. But we're we're here. This is this is our territory. And I believe God wants every one of all the people who live in London to have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't know how many churches there are in London now, around 5,000. It was 5,000 a couple of years ago. It's probably increased by now. I really hope it has. And we're all doing our bit, whether we're of this tradition or that tradition, this style or that style, this, this theology or that theology. If you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and you've given Him your life, you're a believer, you're in the body, I don't care what's above your door, we're all part of one family. Amen? Amen. Amen, there's too much division in the body of Christ. You know, somebody put out this, this whole thing on, on some internet ch- ch- chat the other day, just saying about how, how all these preachers and all these big churches, man, they're all heretics. There's only one true Jesus. And I just thought, I can't leave this. You idiot. Excuse me, am I mal- allowed to say that from the platform? We're gonna need to scrub that from the table. I couldn't believe that here was somebody sitting in his bedroom thinking he was God's, you know, God's policeman for the body of Christ and going name by name by name, all these people that are heretics, wrong Jesus. So I said, well, I think there's only one Jesus. No, I think there's only one. He said, no, there's another Jesus. And I said, well, this is the Jesus I know and I went for it. The Word made flesh, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the resurrection and the life, the beginning and the end. And I went for it and I just poured this stuff out and I just went on and 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 on. And And then I went dot, dot, dot and so on. (laughs) Anyway, that was about the fourth thing that had gone backwards and forwards. I didn't get another reply. We're in the body of Christ. But I do believe there's a grace on every individual church. There's a grace to do something. There's a grace to be something. There's a grace to represent some aspect of the character of God. Oh no, we're all to, re- uh, we're all to reflect all of the wonders and the glory of God. Yeah, right. Really? You're that good? You're that good? This church is that good that we can be outstanding at everything? No, but we can be outstanding at the one thing that we're graced to be. Everything else needs to be there, but everybody displays something. And as a church, I believe we are here. For a number of reasons, I'm not going to get into a whole prophetic thing about the church today. However, I do believe there is something prophetic upon our lives. Amos chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 says this. Says for sh- uh, surely the Lord God does nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Now does that mean nothing or does that mean something? It means nothing. God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but? Be- Prophesy. See, God is a God who releases his power and speaks to cause things to come to pass. Our God is a speaking God. He's not a silent God. He's a speaking God. In fact, his word is always speaking. You can open the Bible and it's speaking all the time. Oh, I'm not hearing anything. Perhaps we need to fast a bit more. Unblock the ears. Because God's speaking. God's speaking all the time. And how God operates, and we know this here, we've taught this for, you know, 30 years we've been pastoring, and, you know, the 23 years of this church nearly, that there's power in our words. But at the very heart of that understanding has to be this. There's power in our words when we've heard from God. Now, that doesn't mean to say everything we hear is a rhema, word from God. Rhema means like a specific word into your life. No, you can turn to any scripture. It's the word of God. You speak it. You can declare it. You hear it. You create it. You cause it to come to pass. You speak it out. God moves. I'm not saying we have to like, oh, I've heard from God. I've got something to say. No, we can declare anything that's written in the book. Amen. And it's ours and it belongs to us. Things don't happen because we don't ask. Things don't happen because we don't prophesy. But I want to take things up a little notch today and say, there's a bigger world than just my own personal world. There's a generation that we need to be prophesying into. There's a city of London that we need to be prophesying into. I believe we are a prophetic people. And we are a prophetic church. Now that does not mean to say that every five minutes we prophesy. You know, uh, a question we get asked all the time, you know, especially in growth track and things like that, is, is do you allow people to prophesy from the floor? Well, the blunt answer to that is no. Not in this environment. Prophetic words come out all the time. They come out in the middle of the praise and worship. While Greg's praying, they come out in the middle of preaching. When I just say something, a, a, a lot of stuff is prophetic. We've just put it in such a box that it's, Thus saith the Lord. And then this, this stuff comes out. Now, you know, tradition has made so many things traditional. Who says everybody needs to hear your prophetic word? The Bible says we can all prophesy. Every one of us, we could go around. I could go around today and the Bible says every person in this room, if you're a Christian, can prophesy. Oh, panic, panic. Well, that tells us that we've got it wrong. Because if we're all panicking, don't know how to do it, we haven't really done it very well. Because everybody can prophesy, but we put it in such a box that we think it's, "Oh, thus saith the Lord," and the Lord verily, verily I say unto thee that there is a, a there is rain coming, and, and 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 I hear a shaking, and I feel, and I feel, and there's a man, and then there's a boy, and there's an olive branch, and we get into all this stuff, and it's like, no, dear God, you know what? You know what prophecy is? It's proclaiming the truth of God, led by the Holy Spirit, and everybody in this place if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, can do that. I could take 30 seconds now and just say, just turn around to somebody and just prophesy into their life. I wouldn't know what to say. I'll give you an example here. Debbie, the Lord is going to be good to you. His mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Ah, you've just said the word of God. Man, that was difficult. Wasn't that hard? Wasn't that difficult? But that's prophecy. And you know what? When you start, I could have carried on there and it probably would have got a lot more specific. Because once you take out one tissue, everything else starts to follow. It's really, really simple. You've just got to come from a heart of compassion and you want to do somebody some good. If you go, oh, the Lord says verily unto thee, he is a God of judgment. Uh, if you don't do it, I'll do it. I'll come and slap your hand, my hand on your mouth. Because the Bible says prophecy in the context of a church environment is to edify, encourage, and exalt. Yes, there are judgmental prophecies. Of course there are prophecies of judgment. Of course there are. But they're not coming out of a chair on a Sunday morning when we're gathering together to be encouraged in Jesus. Amen. Let the Elijahs deliver those to the people that need to hear them. Hello? And a local congregation doesn't need to be hearing, oh, the judgment of God is coming on London. Ah, oh, shut up. Please. Please. Oh, Some people get really scared with this stuff. That's not for this environment. Hello. Okay, I don't know why I got into that. Perhaps we got a prophet of doom in the house today. I don't know. Are you here? Anybody? <laughs> okay very quickly let's just go through this what is a prophetic church? do you want to ask ask me that question? I'm glad you asked a prophetic church is this a church that's hooked up to what's going on in the spirit we know more than what we see with these eyes and hear with these ears it's a church where God speaks oh but we want to hear prophetic words open your ears they're going on all the time all the time I've given probably half a dozen already this morning yeah? Amen. A church where God speaks. He speaks through preaching. He speaks in the praise and worship. He speaks in small groups. He speaks over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee after, after service. God's speaking all the time. It's a, a prophetic church is a church with a vision. <laughs> a church with a burning desire to fulfill their destiny. And we are a church with a vision. We know where we're going. We're doing everything, everything we can to get there. A church with a vision. And fourthly, what is a prophetic church? It's a pioneering church. Now that's really important. All of these are important, but that's really important. We do things differently. Not in comparison to other churches. We're not talking about comparison here. We're saying, God, what do you want to change? What do you want to do? How do you want to move now? Oh, and as a church that is a pioneering church, you see, a prophetic church wants to break down barriers. It wants to do things that haven't been done before. So many times in the Bible, never been this way before. They hadn't done this before. They hadn't heard that before. That had not been experienced before. Now we're not just after something new, 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 new all the time, but we're certainly not something after something old, 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 old. Somebody came up to me. I was at actually at a, a a funeral a long time. Well, probably last year actually. Somebody and there was a guy there heading up the praise and the worship. All of you would know his name. And um, he came up to me and he said, oh, I haven't seen you for ages. And I said, oh, I've just been doing my thing, you know. He said, said, you changed the sound of praise and worship in London. And I went, wow. Thank you for that. He said, back in 1987, 88, 89, 90, going through into 91, 92, you brought a new sound into the city of London. And I said, well, I appreciate that. He said, there's another new sound that needs to come. And I thought, wow, that's... That's quite something to say. And there's something about a prophetic church that that wants to break out. That wants to do something new. The Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Make a new sound. So what are the signs of a prophetic church? Signs of a prophetic church, you've got a number of them here. Well, five actually. A strong presence of God with great joy. If we are a prophetic church, and I believe we are, and I think I've clarified that does not mean to say that everybody's prophesying all the time. A prophetic church has, has certain characteristics, signs about it, who it is, how it functions, the things that it experiences. And the first thing here is a strong presence of God with great joy. There's something so powerful about joy. I love to look back in the praise and worship and see smiling faces. Some people are so deep. I think they've got a black hole on the inside. <laughs> that deep. I get into the presence of God. I just want to shine. Greg, where is he? You were, sh- I can't see him. You were shining today. Seriously. There was, there was a, I don't know what part of the, of the service it was. I, I just watched you and you were just, shining, shining. Then I look around and other people are shining. There is something about the presence of God and joy. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. But you know what? We've got to rejoice, which means we do the joy. If we are hanging around for God to do something to make me joyful, I'm going to be waiting here till the second coming. I can't wait for that. Amen. He says he'll wipe away every tear then and there'll be joy everlasting full of glory. I'm not waiting till then. I want some of that now. I want it now so I'm going to get in and do it. I love the fact Sharon was dancing before the Lord today. She's been on her back for the last nine days. They wanted to uh, to, uh, stick her in hospital for 10 days. Intravenous uh, stuff. There was disease going up her leg. Well, cellulitis. Nasty thing. They started getting really worried. She couldn't put a foot down. We thought we're not having this. And here she is dancing before the Lord on Sunday. Come on, come on. Oh.
1: <laughs> no, it's one thing that made me laugh when I heard what, on Christmas Day, I couldn't stand after lunchtime. Julian actually kicked me accidentally. He went past me. (laughs) He went past me, and from that moment, I could not stand on that foot. But it was the same thing that my dad actually died of. He died of blood poisoning, cellulitis, and, and it was in the left foot, and this was my left foot and i i just quickly went into the yeah i mean this is absolutely ridiculous this is not my inheritance and i laughed because it was so absolutely crazy you know god says that we know the wiles of the, um, the wilds of the enemy and and certainly we have wisdom and it was just absolutely a ridiculous thing for Satan to try and put that on me at the beginning of the year and so yeah it lasted a bit of time but it's not my inheritance so
0: amen amen (laughs) strong prince of God with great joy what else creativity and expression in praise and worship God inhabits our praises amen What else is a sign of a prophetic church? Strong prayer that releases the power of God. We don't, you know, come together to think. We come together to pray in Jesus' name. What else? Supernatural encounters with God. Miracles, signs, and wonders. What else? Signs of a prophetic church. The abundance and the favor of God. Harvest on every front. When the prophet speaks, stuff gets done. The Bible says they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They prospered through the prophesying. There wasn't anything that happened for 18 years. The enemy had caused all sorts of stuff. Then the prophets began to speak and within a few months everything was transformed. Why? Because God started to speak. So how do we live life with a prophetic edge? I'm glad you asked. Three things. I've got so many things here to say today, but I just want to drop this in. And just, 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 have you got your catches out? Yeah? Wonderful. A prophetic edge gives us insight. It gives us, it gives us insight to see and to know what God is doing, which gives us an absolute advantage in life. Aren't you glad when you go into a situation you've already heard God? I don't want to be going into a situation and going, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? I want to hear God before I even get there. Whether that's work, whether that's family, whether that's going on a business thing, whether it's coming to, to Sunday. I know what God wants to do on a Sunday before we even get there. Why? Because i spend hours finding out. Amen. Number two, a prophetic edge gives us perspective. It gives us insight to read people. Do you ever need to read people? We need to do it all the time. What's really going on here? Whether it's somebody on a Sunday, hey, how's it going? Oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you can tell that's not a faith thing. You have just got a mask on. I can see through that. Something's telling me, the women are brilliant at this, but the guys are getting there. We're waking up. It's just, ah, yeah, slap, slap, good on you, mate. And we walk off. It's like, really? I saw you under the mulberry tree. (laughs) Oh, bit of insight going on there. Bit of prophetic edge, something we're hearing from God. We can read people, we can read times, we can read seasons. Which means we can do the right thing at the right time. What else does a prophetic edge give us? A prophetic edge gives us the ability to see beyond the here and now, to see into the unknown for us to rule and reign in authority. See, if we know what's going on, we walk in in authority. I love the authority that we have in Jesus. But to be led by the Spirit, it really turns it up. You know, it it turns the heat up on that thing. Authority in Jesus' name when we're not hearing God is a struggle. Yeah, we got the name of Jesus. Yeah, we can declare the word of God. Yeah, we can do these things. But when we're led by the Spirit, wow! Having a prophetic edge, I know what to do. It's not just lay hands on the sick and they recover, it's get some mud, put it in the eyes, tell them to go and wash. What's that about? No idea. It was just a prophetic edge. It was knowing what to do and how to do it. You getting anything out of this today? (laughs) Okay, if we're going to develop this and if we're going to be a prophetic church, which we are, I just want to ask us a few questions here today for us to launch in to 2020. Are you ready for this? Number one, what does God say about me? We need to ask ourselves that question. What does God say about me? Why don't you say that right now? What does God say about me? Say it again. What does God say about me? You can do that in your quiet time, loud time, whatever time it is, at any time. God, what are you saying about me? What do you say about me? Well, a whole whole heap of that is really already written in the Word of God. Ephesians 1 verse three says this, "God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. or so God has, has empowered us with everything good He said about us," is really what that says, in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. God has already said everything good about us. Aren't you glad about that? He's already said all the good stuff about my life. When I go to God, I'm not hearing bad stuff. I'm hearing what He's already declared over my life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God. That's what God is saying about us. You're my son. You're my beloved. You're the redeemed to so say so. I mean, there's so many things that God says about us. And you know what? When we start to think in our relationship with God, we've got to know what God says about us. I love this thing about Elijah. He walked up as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. He knew who he was. He knew what God said about his life. I'm going to do a whole sermon on that in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you know, he says to Ahab, tell Ahab, Elijah's here. I love that confidence. He knew who he was. The only way you know who you are is not by going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or getting onto th- some sort of internet thing that's you are wonderful you are wonderful you are I ain't gonna tell you who you are you need to get into the written word of almighty God and read the New Testament and read the letters and find out what God says you are that's who I am it's written in print there's a book written about you not awesome know who I am in Christ That's a great way to start. God, what are you saying about me? But the next thing I want to ask is this. What do I say about God? You are my rock. You are my fortress. My God in whom I put my trust. God, you are my healer. You are my redeemer. You get going on that one. The tissues start coming out. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. He is my refuge and my strength. He is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my healer and my provider. As we are and as we develop through this year, it's important that we know what God says about us, but it's as important, if not, it's vitally important for us to know what we say about God. This is how you can fill your prayer time. Number three, what do I say about me? What do I say about me? As the band comes up, please. (coughs) What do I say about me? What do you say about you? We've said, what does God say about you? And we've said, what do you say about God? But now what do you say about you? Oh, isn't that sad when we hear people putting themselves down? That's such a sad thing. I mean, there are times I'll find myself, oh, Melfi, you idiot. Because I go and do something stupid. And I really want to kick myself when I do that. No, Melfi, you're not an idiot. You may have been foolish. What do you say about you? Oh, I'm just no good at that. Never works for me when I try it. What do you say about you? I'm not saying we live in some world of unreality where we're saying things about ourselves that are just like, what planet are you living on? But what do you say about you that builds your life? I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Well, I don't feel very anointed. Well, say it till you believe it about yourself. Say it till you believe it. Because we're not saying anything that's not true. We're saying what is true, but we're not believing it. So we say it, I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Well, I've never done that. Well, say it till you believe it. I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. And then you go through the Gospels and you find areas, you find examples where Jesus heals the sick. And then you close your eyes and you see yourself in Jesus' place and you walk through that situation and up comes the lady with the issue of blood and she grabs you and you know, perhaps you're in church on a Sunday and she grabs the hem of, of your trousers or your, your boots that shine brighter than the sun. I was preaching the other day and it was, like, it was like God's a fire from the waist up and a fire from the waist down where you are luminous from the ankles down and from the waist up. It's amazing. If somebody comes and grabs the hem of your garment and you see it taking place, what do you say about you? You see yourself going into that that new deal and signing on the dotted line and it's all gone in your favour. You don't go in, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not. Shut your mouth. Fill your mouth with what God says about you, about who you are and what He's going to do through your life. All things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I was healed. I'm anointed for breakthrough. Whatever I put my hands to will prosper. I am anointed for increase. I'm full of the Holy Spirit and power and the wisdom of God in every area of my life. This is what I say in my daily life. It's how to have a prayer meeting on your own. Number four, what do I say about my surroundings? What do I say about my surroundings? Let's be specific about that. What do you say about your family? See, there was a man in the Bible, Job, who constantly talked about his family, that they were a mess. Oh, they're in sin. They're going to be living in the curse of God. They're all going to be wiped out. Nothing's going to go right with this family. I've got to sacrifice and sacrifice because this family is such a mess. That's what Job was saying. Tragic situation in Job, Job chapter 3. Everything I feared and everything I said was going to happen has happened. Tragic. When are we going to learn from this stuff? Your kids are not you, rascal. You know what rascal means? Worthless nothing. You waste the space. You're just ignorant. What are you saying over your kids? You're a champion. You're a winner. Come on, you can get up. You can do this. You're full of humility. You're full of the joy of the Lord. But When they're asleep, they can't argue back. What are you saying over your family? What are you saying over your marriage? Oh, I just can't live with that woman. Wish I'd never married him. What are you saying over your family? Doesn't matter how bad it's gone, you still don't need to agree with the bad. Hello? Hello? Come on, fill your mouth with good stuff about your environment. What do you say about the nation? I'm not talking about being nationalistic. I'm talking about God's got a plan for the United Kingdom. And it's a plan to display His glory in the nations of the earth. What do you say about the nation? Oh, this nation's just going down the tubes. Please stop talking. Please stop it. This nation's going from strength to strength in Jesus' name. I bless our government. I bless our local council. I bless our school system. I bless our NHS. And if you've got nothing good to say about it, just bless it. Just bless it. Come on, let's fill our mouth with good stuff. you getting anything out of this today? Is this alright? Shall we talk about someone else? Is this okay? What do you say about your church? What do you say about your church locally, nationally? What do you say about your workplace? What do you say about our community? What do you say? You see, the power to create is in your mouth. The power to transform is in your mouth. When we realize we can stand before Ahab and say, we're changing a generation because I say so, stuff can happen. And that's who we are. That's who we are. Lastly today, what do I say about my future? What do I say about my future? Well, what I start saying about my future, let's start saying it. I've got it today. In Jesus' name. I've got it today. I've got it. It ain't over till I say so. All my footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I shall walk with God in ever increasing intimacy through 2020. The enemy will build a pit and fall into it himself. The enemy flees from me in stark terror. This is turning around for my good. I shall be in the right place at the right time. My business life is blessed and the life of God is pouring into it. I shall live in ever increasing harvest in my life. I shall lend to many nations and not borrow. God will increase me always and the abundance of increase of favour is my inheritance in Jesus' name. What are you saying about your future? What are you saying about your future? Let's all stand to our feet today. We're going to close today with our consecration of our fast. It's coming up on the screen.